1: Welcome back to New Books on Psychoanalysis, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Our guest today is Dr. Raluca Soriano. Dr. Soriano is a psychoanalyst, an effective member of the um, psychoanalytic circle, that's the English uh, in Rio de Janeiro, and reader in psychoanalytic studies at the Department of Psychosocial and Psychoanalytic, University of Essex. She was part of the Waiting Times Project supported by the Wellcome Trust, exploring the connections between time and care. Dr. Soriano is an academic associate of the Freud Museum. In the past five years, she has studied the Michael Ballant Archive, found at the British Psychoanalytical Society. She joins us today to discuss her book, Working Through Collective Wounds, Trauma, Denial, Recognition in the Brazilian Uprising, which formulates a theory of collective trauma, drawing on the work of Shandor Ferenzi. The book was published by Paul Grave in 2018 as part of their series, Studies in the Psychosocial, which is distinguished in part by its emphasis on affect, the irrational, and unconscious process. Dr. Soriano, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you very much, um, Christopher Russell. It's a pleasure to be here with you today um and discuss my my work.
1: So um your your work is extraordinary and I guess my first question is how did you first make the connection between the the theory and the thought of Ferenzi and and the site of protest in the street does does one come first do they emerge together?
0: Um, yes, thank you very much for for this question which takes me um, in the way, in a way, to the very beginning of um, of, of this project, um, and um, at the time um, when I started um, to bring ferency to the street protests or um, the scenes of collective protest to ferency, I was living in Brazil and I was studying. Um, I was studying collective um, um, action. Um, and um, somehow um, gradually, um, as I was part in this uh, very intense and wonderful scene of 2013, um, where Brazil had a, a huge wave of um, street movements, of protests, um I um I did um start to see um that what was happening in the street Um, was actually very much connected to to trauma, to collective trauma, and to these very precise uh, marks, um, traumatic marks um, related to to race, um, to the colonial trauma. So all these marks um, were being symbolized, uh, brought to the streets, vocalized, and I was... Making sense um, of these very complicated symbolizations as a non-Brazilian, um, as somebody who had a great attachment to the country already and was um, trying to accompany these complicated uh, movements, uh, but indeed as a non-Brazilian, so I, um, in a in a sense, I, I did go to the streets um, in this occasion. Uh, with Shandor Ferency, um, and um, I, I understood more and more um, of what was happening um, by drawing on his insights on um, on trauma. So in a way, um, I had already worked, and I had a, a strong intuition and um, um, a, a, a kind of. Um, yeah, I guess one of my areas of investigation was around um the openings of um um Ferenc's theory to the social. But the way um it it all worked, the way the, the this, this um, line of investigation um composed itself was uh, in the actual um protest, yeah, in the um, in the heat of that uh, important political moment in Brazil.
1: So for um, our, our listeners today, can you sort of frame um, what what the protest was about? And also, um, and this will be probably the more difficult, the main thesis of specifically confusion of tongues. What were the, the two things that that were happening?
0: Yes yeah, so um again um there are very many layers um and registers in this protest and it all started um um from um from something um that seemed quite minor which is the the rise in the price of public transport um so this this was the spark but um, I think that um, fundamentally what happened in Brazil in 2013 was uh, much broader. It was about um, recognition and inequality and, and all these um, marks, traumatic marks around um, ra- uh, ra- racial um, dynamics. So um, it's, it's very difficult to, um, to summarize um, what um, what was happening then? I think it was a societal um, movement for mourning. For in a way, that's why the book is called "Working Through Collective Wounds." That I think that all these um, traumatic marks were, in a sense, coming forth and was enabling um, big and large scenes of mourning that were not possible before. I think in um, in Brazilian um uh, history. Um, and so in a sense, that's um, um now moving to the second part of your question. Um, what what did I find or what did I write into, um, into the book? And then um, one um, attempt at a short answer would be uh, a symbolizing crowd. Yeah, so I um I actually start the book with this um, image of the irrational crowd of the mob, um, which I think is an, a very strong image that haunts both social theory and psychoanalytic theory. And my experience is that what I found in the streets then in Brazil was a symbolizing crowd, a crowd that was able to create um, very precise content that was able to put things in relation, um, in relations in a very, very um, precise manner. Um, uh, what I also found was a very discriminate crowd. Um, one that was able to um, make judgments and decisions between what is to be preserved and what is to be dispensed of. What, what is to be um, um, kept, what is to be gotten rid of. So I, um, I followed the way these um, crowds in the streets and squares made these symbols um, and I tried to unpack them and I tried to look at these ample scenes um, where some complicated reenactment was taking place usually um, and, um, also some kind of act of mourning. And um, so well, I, it's
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I was going to say the, um, when, you know, when I, when I first, you know, I, when, when I prepare for these interviews, I, I read the book and I have, you know, one or two things that stay with me without taking any notes whatsoever. The things that I'm like, okay, that's I but I could have done the interview. Um, and one of the two things that really stayed with me. And it actually came up in the the class uh, that you taught on Friday that I took is the word precise, both in the street and also um, the precision in Ferenzi um, in in his writing, in this this matching up of precision. And one of the things that you engage, um, you say that the book is putting together a theory that can account for the precision of symbols. And in looking at um, Freud's duality of the drives, um, the, that just staying with "Beyond the pleasure principle, uh, you write, has failed to enlarge the imaginary on repetition. So what does Ferenzy bring to a uh, life drive, death drive that allows us to enlarge and create the precision?
0: Um, Yes, thank you. This uh, this is a very important question because with farency, we become able to um, firmly imagine um, some kind of repetition that is not in the domain of um, the compulsion, of repetition compulsion that is not ruled, um, as you suggested, by the death drive. Instead, it is a more creative kind of repetition um One that reenacts, one that puts uh, these elements of elements of the scene of trauma in relation to one another, that recreates this scene, but um almost with a pressure in it to work it through, yeah, to make a new connection, to make a new link, a new tie, um so that some form of thought or life um, becomes possible. So I think um, that both in the clinic um, and um, by looking um, at, um, at collective trauma, at protest, we can pay attention to, to these reenactments, to this special kind of repetition where um, you go back to the time of the trauma, we go back to the time of the trauma, so something is relieved, it's a particular kind of temporality. Um, it's of course a, a very dangerous temporality, but one that is potentially very enabling um, in terms of making that new link, enabling something that was not possible before. Yeah, giving a meaning um, to that horrific first scene. Um, and yeah, making a, a symbol indeed uh, by using the elements of the of the scene of trauma. So I think that um, throughout the book, um, this this is very important for me and this is how I um, write my vignettes. They're all some sort of reenactment um, where um, a very strong symbol is made, uh, where where new connections are enabled. um, And thus, perhaps we have taken yet another um, step In working through something that is indeed immense, no, like um, the colonial um, aggression.
1: Well, it's when you mentioned just now your vignettes. um, You went uh, into the street, and you said you made a series of recordings, and that the the vignettes um, you say do not listen. You're not listening to recorded material, but an embodied registering of rhythm and you use the phrase the rhythm analyst walking uh through the, the protest what is what was the embodied uh, register of, of rhythm you say you noticed a repetition in it
0: um, yes it's, it's interesting here that um when i first started to follow the protests and to go to the streets um, I actually felt this need at times to um, have a recording device on. Of course, of um, no voice was discernible. It was just about some sort of um, very loud um, and intense music of the street. Now, I never went back to the recordings and I never listened to them. They, I, I still have them somewhere, um, but they seem that's, that that's where they belong um, in a way, not, not being accessed or listened to in that way. Because um, as I was progressing in a way of my with my accompanying the movement, I realized that um, the place for making that recording, for looking, um, um, then registering something that is repeated or created, or something that derails or something that cracks or something that is saved, um, is indeed um, um my 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 own listening um and um you using myself as an instrument perhaps in a tradition um, of ethnography as well yeah i um i speak in the book of psychosocial and psychoanalytic ethnography um but then i really like to um to talk in terms of vignettes, like you mentioned, um, because these vignettes are more linked to this idea of a scene or of a moment, um, a, a moment um, in the flux of perhaps um, less meaningful repetition. So we go on and on and on in, with the same rhythm and all of a sudden something happens. And for me, that's something... Um, is always read in libidinal terms. So the crowd does something new with its own rhythms and um, um, makes something new, in a sense, out of its own libido, invests something in in a new way. And this has um, a sound and a rhythm associated to it. It it, um, makes a chant in a new way. It chants something different and it um in in portuguese they are called palavra de ordem uh, so it it um um again it it chants um in a way it's not chanted before and um something breaks in the in the rhythm i i remember now one of the chants that most impressed me um in the protest and i was, actually i heard it on a recording it was not even in the flux um in the street Um, And this chant is um, disnecessario, which means unnecessary. Um, So we're talking about thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of of thousands of people and sometimes millions who um, in one moment uh, are attuned to one another um, and are talking to who? To the police, to the state, Um, who is in this circumstance attacking them with rubber bullets um, and with tear gas um, and all sorts of um, um, raw violence. Um, And met with this raw violence, the crowd returns something outstanding in a rhythmically attuned way, which for me is akin to an interpretation. So the crowd interprets the raw violence of the military police and qualifies the violence and says, this is not necessary. Um, It's not um, dictated um, by any imperative to maintain law uh, or order. Um, It's just excessive use of violence. So I think some of these um, very interesting terms and spins no, of um, symbol and interpretation in the crowd are very relevant today, um, where we have similar encounters around this massive um, anti-racist mobilization that we're seeing now, um, where in the name of law and order, a lot of violence in, is unleashed on a an on fundamentally symbolizing crowd that is trying to be sad and to mourn um, and to um, bury its dead um, or its symbolic dead and so on.
1: Well, yes, what's interesting about what's what's happening now is um, I started reading the book in the very first week uh, here in New York, and I guess globally, of the 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 larger protests um, around the murder of uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others, and in the early part of the book, there's the discussion of the traumatic forgetting of the recent past. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, we're not going to speak for six weeks here. You know, will it be already forgotten? I became anxious about that, and of course, it's not. Um, the the, th- the other thing that stuck with me in the first reading of the book, which was uh, very interesting, if you could talk more, that what you call the interrogation of the crowd, asking what do the protesters want? What is their program? What do they represent? That, that, is, um, th- that those questions create, even if they're presented benevolently by the journalistic left or anybody, but that they represent an impossible demand.
0: Yes, um i I will actually um start by associating a bit with your first note on the forgetting of the recent past because um, um I think um, as you were suggesting, um at now, in the context of these new mobilizations, I think the the sort of recent past is still in the making um, so we we all are wondering what will happen to the memory of what is happening now. Um, and I think we need to be very, very cautious here um, because um, I, I do suggest in the book um, that to interrupt um, a very important process of collective mourning that has been um, um, unleashed, yeah, that has begun, is a very, very dangerous thing. Um, so to suppress protests that are unfolding, that have started to make these links, that have started to reenact their trauma, um, might have very serious consequences that we understand in psychoanalysis as delinking, yeah, as, as re-traumatizing, as, as, um, by, by making something even more split than it was before. Yeah. And therefore, socially, that brings um, um, more the, the danger um, that we saw materializing afterward, after the protests in Brazil, the, the rise of the, f- um, of the far-right movement, um, various kind of reactions, um, which, and here is the interesting thing yeah, that happened in Brazil, and perhaps there's always a risk that this, um, this can happen. Um, after the protest, um, if this morning is interrupted, um, and there is a moment no, of resurgence of the far right, of sort of unleashing all sorts of all sorts of demons um, that, um, that were more um, not, not less present, but perhaps more boxed until that moment. Um, so they are unleashed again and then there's a tendency to blame the protest, yeah. Look what you have done, look what you have unleashed. It's in it's um um very touching how Bra- in Brazil the activists um receive this massive projection um of being the ones to be blamed for um the chaos that, that came after, for the the again the um Surgeon in um, far right movements, um, but again, in my understanding, um, that kind of dark aftermath that can include all the things i was I was talking about it's connected to interrupted mourning, it's connected to suppressing the protest, to not allowing um, that complicated scene that was initiated to have some sort of resolution. Of course, it's always precarious. It's never complete. We know that um, from, um, from our psychoanalytic work. But there is a difference between some sort of closure, you know, some sort of um, um, m- completing the making of the symbol as opposed to leaving it entirely open. You know, it's as if um, the, the analogy here is, a, is an interrupted analysis. It's not the same um to have set an end however difficult that is, however much we could talk about, no terminable or interminable. Um, it's very different to, to set an end and to carry out the process or to just interrupt it very uh, abruptly. Um, so yeah, that that was on the first note. And may I ask again the second part of your the, of your question? Because I I I thought it had two parts.
1: No. Yes the yeah. the um the the idea that no matter how in a sense generous or benevolent the question, what do the protesters want? Oh, what right, do they yeah, represent? Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's an impossible demand.
0: Um, yes, and this has to do with. Um, Um, with what um, in the book I refer to as um, following Cornelius Castoriadis, another um, um, psychoanalyst and uh, philosopher, what he calls magma and the radical social imaginary. So there is a a, a level of indeterminacy um, in the way what he calls the radical social imagination works. Yeah. the, the fact that when we come together in this powerful way, we don't yet know what society we are proposing, um, how that will look, look like, um, even what the principles are, is because we've not had the engagement yet. We've not had the entanglement. We've not done that mourning. We have not yet created the symbols um, so to have the demand, so okay, so say it from the beginning. Um, it's I would say it's not fair. It's not possible uh, because that's um, that's by way of entanglement that is produced um, by being together, by cohabiting that political space, by coming up with these shapes and forms and um, solutions and so on. So. Um yeah, I'm I'm very wary. I think that's um one of the ways in which ideology works, no, and the thing itself is interrupting, is interrupted um rather. Yeah. So um by by making by suggesting not this sort of inept uh, immature political subject who doesn't know what they want. Uh, it's very clear that, that something can be dented or, or interrupted or broken um, prematurely. Yeah. So um, I think it's um it's a dangerous um demand, and I read that again, siding with ferency, um, as part of this confusion of tongues, um which is a kind of mystifying of the original demand, yeah? So the crowd is talking about um, racism, about the colonial moment, um, about institutional racism, um, about um, justice, injustice, um, and a voice is saying, good, fine, but what are your concrete two points or two points of reform um in relation to the functioning of the police that's fine i mean it's it's always good to um to try and um on some level be precise but it's always you see it's it is a move of registers um, which creates a lot of confusions because it's not receiving the demand on the terms and to the intensity that the demand is formulated in the first place, which is about system change. So I think what um, the commonality between um, the movement that I was part of in Brazil um, and the movement that we see now in the US and um, also with great ramifications globally um, is that they um, their aim was to change an um, unjust system um, and not so much to have a narrow proposition of a particular kind of reform. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So that gets us into um, an- another sort of main section of the book, which I'd love to talk about. The the confusion of tongues where there's um, the register of recognition um, being met with the register of redistribution. Um, what is that? What do you see in that confusion?
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, I, um, I chose to talk about this um, confusion because it was very relevant um, for the protests in Brazil. And I think um, it's um, in our modern times it's it's very relevant it's often relevant when there are protests and there are very um, powerful demands and there then again um, attempts to mystify them in some way. Um, so I talk about um, redistribution and recognition. So recognition um, is fundamentally about, um some sort of um right no claim to right to um, to justice and redistribution is about resources um um is um, um is is a completely different grammar in terms of political demand and what i am saying is that the confusion of tongues um often operates by answering a demand that's um, about redistribution in a particular way in terms of recognition and vice versa. It's usually displacing recognition by, by, um, by way of redistribution. Um, you know, So to take a concrete example, if we think of um, what is happening now, yeah, so people are, are um, articulating themselves in many, many ways around the, prob- the problem of race. Um, and the response to that is, OK, so more funding for some kind of social project um, and less funding for a particular kind of policing. You see that um, although we might say that, yeah, it's a first move or um, we need to start somewhere, by changing the register, something is lost. Um, and some kind of fundamental um, demand of recognition by the traumatized subject um, is itself barred, is not heard, is not listened to, um, is um, sort of impossible to, becomes impossible to voice because there is some sort of um, constant translation uh, which is not a translation, it's a false translation. Yeah? It's, a, it's just a swapping uh, of, of registers and the shifting of registers um, in such a way um, that, again, the nature and the intensity of the original demand um, is always lost somewhere along the way or in this process. Um, and I think that that is dangerous. Um, and it's part of how working through can never be um, done. Yeah, we can never um, work through the traumatic wound if, in the moment, in the difficult moment, when that can be articulated collectively, when it can take some form, um, where some of the uh, mark markers, some of the um, um, marks um, connected to I don't know, uh, you know uh, um, owning slaves are attacked, and this this is part of the scene, um, and that itself is um, is interrupted. Um, then it's 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 very difficult indeed, um, in my understanding, um, to mourn together or to complete the mourning.
1: When you were there, um the idea of of listening to the demand of recognition um I think you write at some point in the book you were a non Brazilian listening to Brazilians. Was that demand for recognition ever brought uh, to you as an analyst just in in consultation?
0: um yes, thank you for this question because um yeah, it, it takes me back to the origin of the book um and to the fact that indeed at the time. Um, I was, I was practicing psychoanalysis in Brazil and I was also practicing in a social clinic um, in Brazil where we were seeing, um, yeah, um, a a population that normally does not have access to psychoanalysis and people who live in the favelas who sometimes um, they can't, um, they can Pay almost nothing or um or just the fee of the bus ticket to get to the session. Um so I think I had a, um, an important access not to this um register um of recognition and to the way it was symbolized and dreamt in dreams. Um, and expressed in in the discourse, in in the words of the patient, in the free associations. Um, So I think that um, it was an important experience um, in terms of how I got to to write this book, um, to be the non-Brazilian analyst of Brazilian patients who were talking in a particular way to me about race at that time, and then to have this experience um, of being in the street and seeing how these symbols were were formed and how these um, large reenactments were possible. So I don't think, um, um, in a sense, perhaps one would not have been possible without the other or not in the same way. Um, There is a sort of um, hidden... um, perhaps hidden or or deep book that is not happening actually in the pages of the book, um, which is about the clinic um, and patients' dreams and how that brought me closer to understand exactly what was happening um, politically and what was happening in the streets. But that is there for me and it's there all the time. Um, And um, it comes back To me, whenever I'm confronted um, with understanding um, something else, no, something uh, perhaps of a similar grammar and yet different.
1: Well, what's interesting is um, you mentioned that in the clinic that maybe they could just afford the bus fare, and one of the there's there's many, but one of the the most moving. Uh, temporalities for the precise symbol is a passage where you know you said the protests start it's over the price of of public transport the 20 centavos and you write that the tired body of the commuter um, forced to stand on public transport on overcrowded buses and metros for three and a half hours to make the same journey back at the end of the working day a body arrested in one of Um, transiting the grids of the city, is not just the tired body of the present, but the exhaustion that belongs to another time, to the traumatic memory enacted every single day of being trapped in a moving container packed full with other human bodies. Some centuries ago, the container was floating over the Atlantic, bringing slaves to the ports of Brazil. It's an incredible image.
0: Um yes, and um I think that by being immersed in the protest alongside um with having Brazilian patients in the social clinic the way I I, um, I had them at that time um, made that image possible, you see so um I don't think that by taking either one or the other of these, Two elements that um, section that you you wrote, you read now would have been possible um, for for me to write.
1: And what was interesting uh, to me is in doing the research for this book um, and and all the conflict that is being talked about uh, today. Something that I did not know was that at the end of um, our civil war in 1865 that there were roughly 10,000 Southerners that rather than rejoin the union um, they were more interested in slavery. And a lot of them went to Brazil and just started up again that that was their interest. And I had no, I I never knew that connection um, to, to Brazil. Um, We talked earlier of the, the state, confusing the tongues the state saying you you have caused this you you the mob and you write about an experience that is broken glass was chosen over political banners um can you talk about that because that was a very beautiful passage of of the museum of remembrance you know vanishing overnight
0: yes um that's um that's a very uh, difficult conversation in a way and I guess for me, um, it also took a long time to understand that um, vignette, you know, because the way I write about these vignettes um, is similar to the way you write about dreams, you no, know, or we write about dreams, that there is something inexhaustible there that you can't um, say. And, and now the interpretation is completed. There's always something um, else. You can spin, you no, know, or 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 something else that comes out as you move on all the elements, um, and this was a bit like a like a scene of a dream, yeah. That um, on the night, on one night, um, one of actually the first nights of um, um, huge, huge protest in Rio, when um, I think um, indeed more than one million people were in the streets. Um, The evening um, ended with um, hundreds of people weaving their banners on a fence Um, and then sort of as we were leaving the protest, we could see what the others had written. And um, that was an opportunity indeed to to see each other politically in a way that we had not seen each other before. After that, um, as it then became um, often the case um, in nights of protest, um, there were some breaking of um, um, sort of bank windows um, and such. And um, when I came back the the next morning to the same site, um, the rubbish collectors um, had moved um, um cleared out all the banners all the hundreds and um, hundreds and probably thousands of thousands of banners i I didn't even know how it was possible because it was a considerable weaving yeah that 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 I had witnessed, and everything was cleared out in in the light of day there was no trace of that whatsoever um but the scene of a of one of the headquarters of a bank with a broken um, um, glass door and window. Um, that was carefully curated almost. It was preserved. It had um, a cordon around it, and there were policemen, and it was photographed by the press. So that is a very powerful scene about what is preserved, you know, when the day comes. Um, and in daylight, what is preserved um, and what is hidden away um, so that, that it can never be found again, so that we can never look at each other again um, in, our, in the particularity of our, of our suffering, of our messages. Um, so that, for me, became um, indeed a psychic scene about how power works and how um, sometimes various aspects of the state, you know, and its sub-assemblages and institutions, is um, operating in a way under the, the power of the death drive and delinking and destroying and attacking symbols. So it's not that it's not giving the recognition only on the, on, on the terms that it is demanding demanded by the protest. But it is also attacking um, and destroying symbols, and not making, not allowing um, the connections that need to be made to be made. So this this was just um, a powerful scene out of a series of scenes where I've observed this kind of what I called. Um, in the book, voracity of the state, yeah, the the fact that the state—it's almost like a, an avid uh, belly, you no, know? it's uh, it's eating up the symbols, it's destroying them um, in some way and preserving this, this confusion of tongues. Because I you know again, talking in terms of the confusion of tongues, if we look at this scene, what is the confusion of tongues? So again. the the demand of recognition and the very precise political messages and articulated political messages of the crowd are mystified and portrayed as an indiscriminate mob that is destructive, that breaks everything in in its way, um, damages um, things and just produces chaos
1: yeah well this is uh great because this gets us into um despite all of that and you in a sense dedicate the book to the remarkable social fact that despite the efforts to desynchronize orphic socialities come to life and we are able to recognize each other so you talk a little bit about uh farenzy's idea of orpha and then how that becomes an Orphic sociality.
0: Um, Yeah. so um, I I followed um, Ferenczi with his construction of Orpha. And Orpha is an odd psychic fragment. Um, I I say in the book a lot that um, with Ferenczi we become able to ask questions about what psychic fragments do. And um, some fragments are involved in the work of um, denial and um, other fragments are um, more in the work of precisely recognition or mourning or linking or, um, yeah, I, I guess preserving something that could otherwise be destroyed. Um and this is sort of the social scene that I'm very, very interested in. And I think with Ferenc's Orpha with this curious fragment um, that's a fruit of the of a, of the scene of trauma, I think we become more able to understand um, another cu- curious phenomenon, which is um, how something can be spared. So often we will be on the verge of destruction, on the verge of um, panic, on the verge of trampling each other, killing each other, and then something happens. And I'm very interested in that something that happens, you know, that particular gesture or putting things in relations or, um, yeah, movement or sequence of movements that transforms um, a, a potential disaster that's that's nearly come, yeah. So we're on the verge, on the brink of it. Um, into again something that is spared, um, that is not crushed, not killed, not destroyed. Um, and in in the protests, I, I many times I had the the chance to see such orphic scenes. We're almost in a totally unlikely way, um, in a way that um, shocks us on some level. And something is spared and lives um, are, are spared and something uh, happens or someone does something. Um, and again, I insist a lot on, on this. It's nothing heroic um it's a it is a phenomenon mostly in my experience is it is a phenomenon of attunement um when somebody falls into synchrony with others in a particular way that enables this gesture to to occur so i'm um I'm now remembering from the vignettes one that I actually um yeah i guess will never um for forget that scene is present with me uh, a lot of the time when um, one single um one single man one, one single person on one evening just using his voice no other amplifier just the power of his voice and the movement um of his arm um transformed a very dangerous scene where the police had um, started um, shooting their their rubber bullets and and tear gas grenades. And there was this, uh, again, very dangerous moment of decision where half of a crowd of a million was sort of deciding to uh, go forth and the other half to go back. Um, And this was sort of body-to-body friction. I mean, there are really many, many people crammed into a tiny space. So I think it's objectively a very dangerous um, moment when through that movement that can be a a huge trampling scene and and many, many hundreds of people could have died. Um, And one single person was able to register the danger um and immediately to with his voice and movement sort of um compose the rhythm of the crowd in a way um that people didn't run so he just chanted over the crowd sen correr sen correr which means no running and it it was um it became like um um like a rich like a ritualistic chant in a way like a like some sort of magic um that is able to change the the destiny of that collective in a sense so these acts such acts are 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 to my mind very very interesting and they're not um i don't think they're so easily understandable and for me, Ferenczi was so helpful um, with his odd psychic fragments, you know, some of which are um, destructive and very dangerous and, and splitting things and others, you know, like, like Orpha, um, being both. And this is the sort of the more luminous facet of Orpha, um, what I call in the book something like a, a nearly clairvoyant nature. Um, that something so striking happens that you can think of clairvoyance or so that something could already see the future no? and, um, and enter the scene as if from the future. Um, but that's not the future, actually. That's exactly the traumatic past, is the fact that they could um, um, act as if they had a hyper-faculty, some sort of hyper-attunement um, that made them capable of catching that in as it was unfolding and giving it a new destiny that perhaps um, none of us could have could could have done in just the same way.
1: yeah, there's there's many uh, vignettes like that and and one that you um, witnessed uh, allowed you to um, to add. Um, to Ferenzi's vocabulary of, of pleasure, um, so the if I remember the scene correctly, one voice says to uh, the state, the military police, "What you're doing now is what was done in another time, and from this, you've um, come up with the pleasure of analogy." So Ferenzi has um, pleasure of resemblance. Uh, pleasure and repetition, pleasure and rediscovery. You add the pleasure of analogy. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes, um, and and thank you for the question because it um, it allows us to um, make an important um, um, comparison to Freud, perhaps, and to stress the fact that. Um, Ferency does have a lot to offer in terms of how we make sense of the social bond, and how we understand how we can be part of a group. And I think that um, um, again, um, Freud took us so far um, with his texts, you no, know, with, with many of his texts, but mostly uh, with the group psychology, you know, and the analysis of the ego. Um, but There, um, the one psychic process that makes the group bond readable um, is identification. So without that, um, it's pretty much opaque how we can be part of a group and um, identification and then the connection with the leader so without that uh, brilliant discovery of Freud, yeah, that you put the leader in the place of your ego ideal, already our both vertical and horizontal bonds no longer make sense. And I think that um, ferency has to, um, to add to that quite a lot by, um, by making possible to imagine this sort of attunement yeah, this sort of um, um, resonance that we can experience by making this complicated political analogy that I try to talk in the book, as uh, in terms of um, putting your um, um, putting yourself in relation to power, and then observing that someone else is in an, an analogous relationship. Yeah, so um, I say that I I stand in relation to power in the same way that you stand in relation to power, and by making this double relation possible, um, yeah, and tracing it, uh, my relation to a political object, your relation to a political object, and then uh, the relationship between the two relationships. Um, that makes a new kind of bond possible. Um, and I, I think this is very important because it takes us, it, it, um, it maintains us very much on psychoanalytic territory. Um, but I think it's a territory where Freud did not take us and where Ferencí, um can definitely take us. And I think that, um, yeah, you were talking about analogy. I think that word... Is so folded into Ferenczi's work, and um, I think in the in the course you um, you you um, attended recently, I, I stress that very much. I think it's a method for Ferenczi. He thinks that um, the psyche makes analogies, so it's like uh, there's a new kind of um, uh, operator in the unconscious, which is that is like, this is my my reading of of what he does. Um, And then um, this operator is like um, inspires a kind of epistemology, if you will, where how we make sense of things is ourselves by making analogies, by tracing the way um, in in the stream of free associations, we can trace the analogies. Um, And so it's always about a kind of double relation, the relationship between um, relationships, if you you want. Um, And that, in my understanding, is also the foundation uh, of a new kind of relationality. um, That's about not displacing the other, not, not thinking that I am in your place, or you are in my place, or it's completely interchangeable, or um, some kind of complete empathy, um, is possible. Um, but our, um, sets of relations might have a resonance between them. Um, and that is, if you want the matter of politics. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I knew that this would happen. We're coming, uh, near the, the end <laughs> okay. of the time because, because the book is, is so rich. Um, you know, we've talked, we've, I've asked maybe, you know, seven questions. I, I did this as an exercise, um, for the listeners, this, there are 224 questions in this book that are asked and engaged with. Um, it's, it's quite rich, but I'm, I'd like to, (laughs) <laughs> um, end with yeah, that's <laughs> a different. true
0: present. I think nobody has returned me the the count before. So thank you very much.
1: Two twenty four. But I'd, I, why don't we end today with with two of your questions um, as we get to the end of the book? Which is this: What returns to psychoanalysis after taking Ferenczi to the streets and the squares alongside crowds in protest? And what returns to social theory after we've taken Ferenczi to the streets?
0: Mm, yes. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I guess after we've taken Ferenczi to the streets for, um, for social and political theory, um, I think we, uh, we can say that we might be on to a new strand of critical theory. Um, around the confusion of tongues. This is my conclusion um, in in this book, but more broadly um, in my recent work. um, I think um, there is a sort of analytics around the confusion of tongues that makes it possible to talk about um, ideology, even about emancipation, about phenomena of submission. So what does it mean to obey authority um, and so on. So it's it's very, very powerful what happens if we start taking seriously the confusion of tongues um, and making these readings for um, social and political objects, but more powerfully for scenes. Um, again, one of the things that I think traverses the books is this um, thinking in scenes, but because... Um, for me, the social is organized in scenes, um, and these come, um, are, are formed, they are traumatically formed. There is this kind of um, organizing force. And again, uh, here is the answer to your question. So, what psychoanalysis via Ferenczi offers to social theory um, is concluding that. Um, alongside other forces that we might consider, trauma is an organizing force. It makes things happen. It, it affects things. It puts um, objects in um, relations uh, in a very forceful way that is unreadable if we cross out this term trauma. Yeah? Yeah um so so this is um this is one one side of the story and of course if we um think about what we might gain um in psychoanalysis after going out there in the streets um there there are so many things it's it's hard to um to summarize them but for myself i think i've um I've gained um, really more awareness in my own work with patients around um, issues of race, for instance. Like you, you asked me before about the relationship between um, the consulting room and the street. Um, I, I think the book would have been different or even impossible without the consulting room, um, as, as I mentioned before. But I think my clinic was changed because I was in the street and I was trying to bring the two together um, in the way I have.
1: So um, what do you have um, coming up? What are you working on now? Uh, I think you have a book uh, coming out this year. Yes.
0: Um, Yes. Probably it will be actually um, next year. I'm I'm working, I'm, I'm working uh, Actually, on three main things. So um, the next thing in um, um in probably next year, and uh, then the second volume in two, 2021 is actually an edited book, um actually uh, two edited books on Michael Ballint. Um and this is very, very important because of course Michael Ballint is um um one of the inheritors. Um, of, um, of Ferenczi and um, he's uh, one other difficult object of memory in psychoanalysis and very rich um, mind and, and and theorist and we will look in this book together with Judith Sekach um, um, and, um, and Ivan Ward um, we will look at various various um, facets in Balin's work from his uh, Uh, life and work from his context in Budapest to um, later on his work with Balin groups, which is something that I'm particularly interested in. Um, So that's one project. And then I have two more markedly Ferencian projects. One of them is very dear to me because it's a dialogue with uh, psychoanalyst um, Jakob um, Stauberg and uh, uh, literary and cultural theorist Jenny Wilner. Uh, Wilner, and we we are looking at um, um, at uh, his theory of trauma, as at his um, Talasa book, at various um, um, aspects of his work um, in a book we are um, co-authoring, um, and then I guess um, the the project that marks this period is a more clinical book on Ferenc's um, theory of trauma, which contains um, a lot of clinical material um, and brings forth the fragments, the psychic fragments I said I'm so interested about. So it's um, um, The Psychic Life um, of Fragments. That's what the book is called, um, um, on splitting and the experience of time in psychoanalysis.
1: Good. So you'll, you'll have to come back and join us again for your, for your books
0: yes with pleasure and um, it was a truly rich um, conversation and i loved your um your questions and the reminder of the um, I even jotted it down to two hundred and twenty-four questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure numerologically what that means, but um, we shall discover.
1: <laughs> we shall discover. And then, for anyone interested, um, because you know, in this in this time of pandemic and coronavirus, everything is online. Um, when is the, the second part of the Ferenzi course at the Freud Museum, if anybody would like to to sign up and, and take it? Because you're teaching on the clinical diary.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, the second part of our Ferenzi journey, um, specifically focused on the clinical diary, is on the 24th of July, um, I believe from 11 to 6. So there are four sessions. And We will discuss um, fragments and Orpha herself um, and um, the work with the case of RN, so Elizabeth Severn, and mutuality in the clinical diary, but also constructions around the death drive um, and femininity and what Ferenczi calls the feminine principle um, also in the in the clinical diary and uh, his theory of genitality, which is something very interesting.
1: Good. Well, I I know I'll be there, and hopefully others <laughs> will, will will join.
0: Well, I will um, I will love to have you there.
1: Good. Well, again, thank you um, so much for for speaking with me today uh, on your book. Uh, and again, uh, for the listeners, the book we're discussing is Working Through Collective Wounds. Trauma Denial recogni- Recognition in the Brazilian Uprising, formulating a theory of collective trauma, drawing on the work of Shandor Ferenczi. Thank you so much for being with me today.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me.